is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. We mentioned in our earlier episode of Steelers Standard that the Steelers in 2022 might want to look outward for their new quarterback once Ben Roethlisberger retires. And there are some teams in around the NFL that we're in the same scenario as the Pittsburgh Steelers having a Hall of Famer retire and having to replace him. But there were teams that looked at their quarterback position and said, if we can upgrade this, we definitely see ourselves as a contender this year. And I know the obvious ones are the Colts and the Rams. Uh, big trade with the Rams and the Lions, swapping Jared Goff and Matt Stafford, and of course the Colts acquiring from the Eagles Carson Wentz. But the one that I actually wanted to start with and spend some time on in this episode is the signing of Ryan Fitzpatrick to the Washington football team. It's interesting. There was a really funny post yesterday with him holding up his sign. It's Ryan's first day of my 17th or 18th (laughs) year in the league. And, you know, his friends, he said, my friends are Terry and Curtis, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin, his wide receiver group in, (laughs) in Washington. Fitzpatrick's a great teammate. I mean, that's been the book on him forever is that he's a fun guy. And for someone that has had his job taken from him so many different times in this league, he's clearly got a sense of humor about himself. But this might be the one, boys. I I know he's never been able to really lead a team to the playoffs. There was one year with the Jets where I believe they went 10 and 6 or 11 and 5, but they missed the playoffs just in one of those really fluky right, years. Right, the Steelers beat them out. It was it was the Bills and Jets who had to play week 17. The Bills beat the Jets. The Jets went like 10 and 6 that year. The Jets yeah. had to win it in 2015. They, they, lost. they did not yeah. get into the playoffs. The Steelers snuck their way in mm-hmm. as the 6th seed and that was the year they played in Cincinnati. The uh, Vontaze Burford game. But that was the best year of Fitzpatrick's right. career. Oh, yeah. Statistically That wise, was the best year for the Jets in, in the a long, past. Since Sanchez. How, yeah, since, since the Sanchez, Sanchez took right. him to back-to-back AFC Championship <sighs> games. He was really good that year. I'm looking at he the He was stats. phenomenal that season. 3,900 yards, 31 touchdowns. He did throw 15 picks. That's but not that's great. Fitzpat- that's, that's Fitzpatrick. That's Fitzpatrick, right. right. I mean, that's I mean, 3,900 yards, 31 touchdowns for the Jets. And uh, I remember good. Brandon Marshall was on that team, and he had a lot of touchdowns that year. Him and Fitzpatrick had a great connection, of course, falling short of the playoffs. Fitzpatrick, a guy that's never been there as a starter. Brandon Marshall, just tongue-in-cheek, also mm-hmm. a wide receiver that's never been to the playoffs as a starter before. He also ran for 270 yards that year. Fitz can move. That's the thing about Fitzy mm-hmm. that people don't realize is he can scoot a little bit, even at his season to yep. age. But I think this is the time when he gets a team to the playoffs as the starting quarterback. A, usually when he comes into a new team, there's a guy behind him that's kind of nipping at his heels and he can't really establish himself. Um, I know Tyler Henneke, or Taylor Henneke had a really good playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and showed some things, but I don't think that's a guy that's really going to push Fitzmagic. The only way that he would take that job from him is if Fitzmagic just completely was terrible to start the season. I don't know if I see that happening. He's got weapons on that offense, like Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. They're, they're solid options in the receiving game. Yeah, uh, Gibson mm-hmm. in the backfield, solid running back. Nothing like incredibly flashy, but solid, I'd say, yeah. around the board. They obviously have comfortability in their new offensive lineman if they're ready to cut Morgan Moses. So they clearly think the person that's behind him on that depth chart is going to be better than he is. Um, so solid line in front of him. But that defense, man, Mm. that's what that team's identity is going to be. So I guess what really falls on Fitzpatrick, and you talked about that year with the Jets, he still had 15 interceptions. If he can kind of take that 
Fitzmagic style of play away from his game for not completely because that's what makes him great and that's why you know his <laughs> that's teams, why his teams are him. never really dead when they yeah. can be down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and he can still right. lead a comeback. I mean, you think about that game last year with uh, Atlanta, right? Exactly. But if he can take some of that volatility out of his game, it would serve the team a lot better because the defense is the identity for Washington, and yeah. it's a playoff caliber defense. And it's probably the best defense Fitz has had in his entire NFL career. It's too. the best defense probably in that division as well. I do lean towards the Cowboys taking that division, but I think if Fitzmagic can play like he did in Miami last year, for the most part, I think the the Washington football team can definitely sneak themselves in a wild card spot at maybe a ten and seven, or who knows, maybe even a nine right. and eight will get the job done. It's kind of two different teams. You have Dak Prescott, who people were saying could be an MVP at some point, maybe even this past year, but he got hurt. And Dak is kind of the identity identity of that team, but the rest of the team kind of re- re- revolves around and relies more so on Dak. But in Washington, it's the opposite, where it's Fitzpatrick is now coming in, and the rest of the team is basically set in stone. You have, as you said, Terry McLaurin and free agent Curtis Samuel coming in, and then one of the best defenses in the NFL. And it only got better when they took in their first-round draft pick. They got another linebacker, so another guy to rush the quarterback. So it's just it's ironic how these two teams are kind of mirror images of each other, but we're saying it's it's going to be a tight race. Definitely going to be a tight race. I think what a great move, though, from the football team to go out and get Fitzmagic because yeah. if they had rolled with Henneke, do you put no. that much faith in him no. to get them the 10-7, and 9-8, and eight and potentially be flirting with the 7 seed in the in the NFC? No? You don't no, think he has any shot? Not. But with Fitzpatrick, it's a different ballgame. Absolutely. It is. It makes them a lot better. And it's kind of weird, too, because you know, who would have thought that we're sitting here saying, oh, the Washington football team now is so much better because of Ryan Fitzpatrick or an NFL team in general is so much better because Ryan Fitzpatrick has come in. But that is the reality. I and mean, it really kinda, is. With Dwayne Haskins not working out for them, it kind of screws them because the rest of the rebuild is done. I mean, yeah. of course, you can still plug guys in here and there, and you can always continue to keep building. But that defense is built up. They have the playmakers on offense, and they're comfortable with their offensive line. It's just that quarterback position that's a huge question mark. Yeah. Well, they filled that hole in pretty nicely, short term as it may be, right? By going out and getting a guy, and I think that's kind of like in our last episode, I could see parallels there with the Steelers. Where oh no doubt in twenty twenty two they say, look, our line played well last year with new starters all across the board, pretty much except for DeCastro. It held its own. We want to bring that line back. Mm-hmm. Najee had over fifteen hundred total yards on offense between catching the ball and running the ball last year. He's phenomenal. Perfect slam dunk for a first-round pick. Yes. Our receiving core, even if we do lose Juju, it's going to remain, for the most part, intact. And who knows, maybe we draft the rookie next year. That's great. Our defense is still elite, despite Highsmith having to step in for Bud Dupree and Cameron Sutton having to step in for Steve Nelson. If all that is true, and you look at that quarterback position, do you really just want to roll the dice on someone that's young and unknown, a.k.a. a Dwayne Haskins? Well, the Washington football team didn't. Obviously, right. there was extenuating circumstances there, him breaking COVID protocols, re- leading towards hand. his release. Yeah. But clearly, I don't I, – I let me put it this way. If Haskins was still on the roster for the football team, I don't think that precludes them from going out and making this move anyway. I don't think they sit there and go, well, we got our Haskins. Right. He's a first-round pick a couple years ago. This is his team. No, I, I think they were done with him either way. I think the COVID protocols was just a convenient excuse, honestly, to get him off of their roster, off of their books. But be that as that may, 
I think that you're so ahead of schedule as far as your rebuild that you're almost past it, except for the most important position. You only have the choice to go out and get a veteran guy if you want to make to play. Otherwise, you're going to have a bunch of guys on that offense and that defense that know that they can win, and they're going to look at Taylor Henneke and say, we're getting held back because our quarterback right. just can't cut it. Right, and that's that's a very real possibility. And that's how you get I mean, teams to start turning on you as a front office. Yeah, and I'm fans not saying turn people, on you. I'm not saying people would ask out of Washington, but they'd behind closed doors be like, we're giving up 14 All points a game yeah. and we can't score 10. You know what I yeah. mean? No, I hear you. I mean, again, that's it's wild that Fitzpatrick is kind of that bridge guy. But, it, you know, I know you said that the Haskin things kind of screws the, the Washington football team, but in a way – it really helps them too. I mean, you know, you get a guy in Fitzpatrick who's out there. Are you going to have him for X amount of years? No, you're not. I mean, as we said, what he's in his 17th year now, as crazy as that might be, it is wild that Fitzpatrick has been in the league that long, but he without question makes that team a hell of a lot better. Um, and you, you illustrated it, Tom, like, you know, you look at the, the weapons that he has. It's, it's, it's definitely an interesting situation for the Washington football team because Regardless of what happens with Fitzpatrick, whether he's really good or whether he's not, I mean, he's not a long-term answer, and you're kind of back to the drawing board regardless. You know what I mean? Like, you're back to the drawing board mm -hmm. probably within two years because not drawing not board. not the next year. Not the drawing. I guess the drawing board is the wrong word because, as you said, Tom, you know, the, the rebuild is pretty much done other than the quarterback position at this point um, because, as you said, they do have a playoff defense, but you are going to have to go back and readdress the quarterback position at some point and not to say that they made the wrong um, decision with, with, with getting rid of Henneke because it, it wasn't the wrong – or not getting rid of, but not having him as his starter. I don't know. It's just – it's an interesting situation because, again, in two years, three years, you're not going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hell, even after this year, if he turns out to be a pumpkin – You might, you might not, not have, have him after this year even right. if he does well. I mean, right. this could be his last year no matter what. He's 38 right. years old. Exactly. So, I mean, you're, you're kind of in a weird situation because, yes, this is a great move on paper and it makes you better – how long is it going to be a great move? You know, how, how long is it going to work out on paper? I don't know. And then you look at it if to the tune of if Washington goes to the playoffs because of the play of Ryan Fitzpatrick, they're no longer set up to get a, a higher draft spot to get, even though people say it's not as good of a quarterback class this year as it was last year. It's still a quarterback, a young quarterback who can bring in and mold. And we all trust Ron Rivera as the head coach. So, why wouldn't you want to bring in a guy? The last quarterback that he brought in was Cam Newton, who turned out to be an MVP, took a team to a Super Bowl alongside Ron Rivera. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a weird situation Washington's in because none of us are saying that they're incapable of making the playoffs, but we don't also believe in them to make a deep playoff run this year. We, we believe there are much bigger Goliaths out there in the NFC standing in their way so it, it kind of is a weird situation because you don't want to tank you don't want to say we're just going to give up even though we just brought in this guy ryan fitzpatrick as a veteran presence as as the, as the quarterback one for our team but you're really setting yourself up for a lack of opportunities in the quarterback room for the future now i think another thing and final thing about the football team here that they looked at is Although we in this room think that the Cowboys are probably the best team in that division, probably going to win that division, yeah, I think teams in that division, the Giants, the Cowboys, the football team, maybe even the Eagles to an extent, have to think this is a completely wide-open division, though. I think that they'd oh, yeah. look at Dallas and they'd say, look, Dak's coming back, and on paper they're great, but that was a pretty bad injury that Dak had yeah. last year. Who knows how he's going to look 
on his return. Plus, it's Dallas. You know, let's not be honest. Let's let or let's be honest with each other here. They've had the tendency to underwhelm a lot in recent years. In right, fact, a lot of NFC East teams have the tendency to do that. To underwhelm, not just not just Dallas. But Dallas, I think, always has those lofty expectations where you see them at the beginning of the year and people are really high on them to even get to the Super Bowl in some cases, and then they go eight and eight or something like that. Right, that, that always happens with them. Uh, of course, there are some years, like a few years back, they go 13-3 and three and they win a playoff game, but those seem to be more fewer and farther between for what was a great fran- – it still is a marquee franchise in the NFL, but it, it's been a while since they've gotten mm-hmm. to that, at least even the NFC Championship game yeah. leg of things. So I, New York, too, a, a team kind of similar to Washington where the pieces are kind of starting to fall into place. That defense in New York is scary. It's not as scary as Washington's defense, though, so no, Washington is no. that going for them. And – if I'm Ron Rivera, I, I again I know Dak was out, but I, I sit back and I say I'm the defending division champions. So I mean this, I know a lot of people are speculating Cowboys, but trust me, in in Rivera's mind, in that Washington uh, war room's mind, they're the team to beat in the NFC right. East this year. Yeah, I mean no question. I mean absolute. I mean it's it's just not only that he's also got to think I've upgraded in my quarterback position, even when Alex Smith was playing last year for them. Yeah, Fitzpatrick's an upgrade too what Alex Smith had become right. after that gruesome injury. Right, and and I think the injury had something to do with that. Although, oh, of course, of course. Of although, course. I mean... Alex he, Smith, before the injury, was a much better quarterback yeah, than Ryan and Fitzpatrick. Although he did look good uh, down the stretch, and, I mean, against the Steelers, he looked pretty darn good, too. You just don't too. lose that right. brain. Like, right. he's was a top 15, trending towards top 10 quarterback with the Chiefs at a time. And remember, when he got traded to the football team back... Uh, when Mahomes took over his spot in Kansas City, he had Washington at like six and three before he finally went down. Like they were <laughs> right. looking like a good football team. He's no, a damn were, good quarterback. He, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously the injury. I mean, yeah. I mean that that goes without saying. The injury definitely it derailed know, him derailed and it derailed it. Washington's team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plans for Washington, Washington yeah, thought they were going to get Smith for like five six years towards the end of his career. And if Alex Smith was the player he was before the, the they injury, would have been in the playoffs perennially. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, you look at, I mean, they would be in the playoffs perennially, and, and, and that defense would be so good because the Alex Smith before is, is still an upgrade over Fitzpatrick now uh, before the injury. But, I mean, regardless, it's it's just a it's a weird situation that Washington has found themselves in because of that. I mean, you know, yeah, the, the, the Alex Smith thing stinks because you thought you had him for five years, but then all of a sudden you have a great defense. You still go to the playoffs anyways. You know, it's a – really strange situation now you got Fitzpatrick how long do you have him but yeah uh, it's it's really interesting now the Colts are kind of in that same boat where even last year they just got completely derailed by Andrew Luck's retirement I mean this is a team that has a defense that is one of the better units in the NFL Uh, they got a running back last year in Jonathan Taylor that eclipsed a thousand yards in his rookie season and he's got a good second fiddle in Naheem Hines behind Mm -hmm. him we all know that that offensive line, led by Quentin Nelson, is one of the best in football. Uh, receiving core is solid. T.Y. Hilton coming back this season for the Colts. But, yeah, it, Andrew Luck leaving just completely derailed all of the progress that this team had made. Uh, they tried Jacoby Brissett for a season. That did not pan out. So what do they do? They go out and they do basically what the Washington football team did this year, and that's they got a guy who is done in his former place, Different than Fitzpatrick because Rivers was a one-man show in L.A. slash San Diego for Mm -hmm. the entirety of his career, not like Fitzpatrick who marched around from team to team to team to team to team. But they go out and they get Phillip Rivers. He's a good quarterback still in his last season, gets him to the playoffs as the number seven seed. 
played the Bills tough in that first round, but eventually bowing out and Phillip Rivers walking away. So now they're kind of just stuck in that spot again. And this time, instead of going out and getting a guy like a Fitz or like a Rivers that's only going to have one or two years max, they went out and they got Carson Wentz. And Frank Reich worked with Carson Wentz in the past, had Carson Wentz playing like an MVP. The Eagles, of course, went on to win the Super Bowl that year despite Carson Wentz getting hurt. But he's finally reunited with his guy, uh, Carson Wentz, I mean, with Frank Reich. And now, instead of it being like a Philip Rivers situation where you only got one or two years, this is a guy that you're hoping breaks in swimmingly mm-hmm. this season, and then you have him for 10 years down the road as your guy yeah. in Indianapolis, and then all of a sudden, bang, you're done. I mean, your defense is built, your line's built, you've got the weapons on offense. Could use maybe a little help in the receiving game, but if you get that quarterback in Carson Wentz to be playing, like the Carson Wentz of earlier than last year, because again, you look at the numbers, Carson Wentz was good all the way up until just last year seemed mm-hmm. to be a complete problem for him in Philly. A lot of stuff going on there, though. No, no him doubt. and the coach didn't speak for weeks, <laughs> as what the rumors it's were. Amazing. But it's a new spot for Carson, and again, I, I think the Colts could have really hit a home run here if they can get Wentz to play at that level that he had been playing before last season. And I don't want to say that's a big if, but it is an if. You know, I mean, it's it's a question mark, and that's kind of the question that this team is, is predicated on, you know, is Carson Wentz going to get back to the Carson Wentz that we saw when he was, you know, he had the chance to be an MVP before his injury. If they do, if he does that, obviously, you know, it makes the Colts a hell of a lot better. If he's, you know, a close to a, an MVP candidate, there, there's no question about it, but um, is that going to happen? I don't know. I mean, they, they kind of took a risk just because of the fact that, yeah, I mean, you don't know what you're getting in Carson Wentz. Do I think that he still has a lot of value? And do I think that he's still, um, you know, capable of taking a, 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 a good team in Indianapolis, uh, you know, over? Do I think that he can be better than what Phil Rivers was last year? Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to think that he could be better than what, you know, 2020 Phil Rivers was. But I don't know. You know, it's, again, it's all predicated on what Carson Wentz does. But you illustrated it, Tom. They have a ton of weapons for him, and I don't want to say it's the same situation that the Steelers find themselves in because it's not. But with all the weapons that Indianapolis has, with as good of an offensive line as they have, if Wentz isn't incredible, it still might not matter. They're still going to be right. a good football team regardless. Yeah, we sat here the other day on Monday saying, talking about the Julio Jones acquisition by the Titans, AFC South rival to the Colts, and I was saying how I expect – Carson Wentz to come in and have a bigger impact in Indianapolis than I do Julio Jones to come in and and have an impact in Tennessee because that's just how the league works nowadays. The quarterback is going to be the most impactful. I mean, this is a little slightly different, but look at Antonio Brown and Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Antonio Brown came in and was wide receiver three. Yes, he had two guys ahead of him and A.J. Brown, you could say maybe he's as good as Chris Godwin, maybe in a couple years will be as good as Mike Evans, but still, A.B. came in, and before A.B. had his issues off the field with Pittsburgh and and the Raiders at the time, A.B. was wide receiver number one on every single NFL team by far and away, but he came in and was wide receiver three there, had a couple of touchdowns here and there, but really wasn't that impactful. It It was all about the arrival of Tom Brady, so... We were talking about the arrival of Julio Jones in Tennessee, and I said to you guys, I don't think it necessarily makes them the best team or or the team to be in the AFC South. I I still feel like the Colts adding Carson Wentz was the bigger move because they were without a quarterback. I mean, 
if they go out and and Philip Rivers retires, they're left with Jacoby Brissett, and I don't even know who the other backup is in Indianapolis. I would much rather go out and get a guy like Carson Wentz if I have receiving options, a couple of tight ends, and, and a guy like T.Y. Hilton who aren't bad, especially if I have Jonathan Taylor as well to boot. Yes, I know Derrick Henry is in, in is in Tennessee, but the Tennessee quarterback situation was completely taken care of in Ryan Tannehill. I would much rather go out and get a guy like Carson Wentz if my quarterback situation is as dire, even if I have a guy like A.J. Brown at wide receiver. So I think the the Carson Wentz move by Indianapolis is great, and who knows? Maybe because of the as bad of a season as Carson Wentz had last year, if he can lead them to the playoffs this year, Indianapolis, I mean, maybe we're talking about Carson Wentz's comeback player of the year for this year. Kind of a more uniquer uh, new quarterback move was what happened between the Lions and the Rams in this offseason, sending Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford to each other little quarterback swap amongst the NFC teams. And for the Rams, it's not like Matt Stafford's going to walk away after just one season, but he's certainly on the back nine of his career. Whereas the Lions and Goff, if Goff can work out for them, they've got 10 plus years with Jared Goff still uh, on the table for them. But I don't think that it's going to work out for Jared Goff in Detroit. Uh, if it didn't work out for Matthew Stafford in Detroit, I think Goff, who is a worse quarterback than Stafford, is going to have an even harder time. There's just not much that's around fair. him. No, right there's now. not. So, and it's a new head coach that they're breaking in there in Detroit. So I feel bad for Jared Goff, but I don't think it pans out for him in Detroit. On the other hand, I think it pans out better than any other quarterbacks we talked about so far right now in L.A. for one Matthew Stafford. I see the Rams as right there behind the Buccaneers as potentially the number two team in the NFC. I think they're definitely a Super Bowl contender. And I think a trade we never really see in the NFL was pulled by the LA Rams. And that's the move that is aggressive and you mm -hmm. got to love as a fan base because, again, not to say that they were kind of in a rock and a hard place with a guy retiring like uh, with the Colts with Andrew Luck walking away or with the Washington football team where Alex Smith has a terrible injury and Dwayne Haskins just doesn't pan out for you. It's not like you got stuck there if you're L.A. You had your guy. Your number one overall pick was still your starting quarterback. Right. They just thought that the team around them, especially that defense, could argue the best defense in football, certainly star power-wise for sure. Yeah. The team around – Goff was r much better than what Goff was taking them. And that's a guy who took him to the Super Bowl just three years ago. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But they still thought that they could get more from him, and he was holding them back. And now they go out and they get a guy who was also a number one overall pick, but who is held in much higher regard around the league than Jared Goff and Matt Stafford. Uh, I think it definitely gets him into the playoffs and probably wins in the NFC West. But, yeah, I think for the next couple of years – and they, they've really just established themselves for uh, to play it safe three years here. Yeah. They've got a three-year window where they can legitimately win the Super Bowl now. No, they do. Uh, there's no question. And, you know, again, I'm the thing I'm most excited about when it comes to the Rams and seeing Stafford there is just the mind of Sean McVay really getting – I mean, not we've seen it go before. I mean, he took Jared Goff, and that scheme took Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. Don't forget. So what can it do for a guy like Matt Stafford, a guy – you know, I mean, we all know that Matt Stafford's good, but I think a lot of people really underrate Matt Stafford just because of the fact that he's played for Detroit all those years and, oh, he's never played in the playoffs, he never won it, whatever. Um, but at the same time, he's still a fantastic quarterback. What is that going to look like now with the offensive mind of Sean McVay beside him? I mean, 
it could be one of the most high explosive offenses maybe ever. I mean, seriously, that that's what you could be looking at. There's a lot of weapons there too. I mean, they, they have weapons, you know, one through three, one through four on the wide receiving core. And it seems like every year they're the team, the Rams are that has a, a tight end come out of nowhere, like a second string <laughs> tight end that scores seven touchdowns. Like who the hell is that guy? It seems like that happens every single year um, for the Rams. So again, there's a lot of firepower there on offense. And as you said, the biggest kicker of them all is the fact that, by the way, they have probably the best defense in the league. Probably. I mean, you know, you might not. On paper, star power-wise, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they very well might. And on top of that, you know, yeah, you look at that offense on paper, they'll probably put up at least 20, 25, 28 points a game. Um, but you might not have to do that all the time considering how good that defense is. I also look at it as a, from the Matt Stafford perspective of his time in Detroit, I mean, we talked about the co- the coaching carousel he had there. Jim Schwartz, Jim Caldwell, Matt Patricia. I mean, Jim Schwartz was good for his first couple of years, but one of the most questionable coaching moves we've seen in NFL recent NFL history was firing Jim Caldwell. Yeah, he got coach. to the playoffs. This is one of your what? You're one of, what, five playoff appearances in franchise history, and you're going to fire him for that? I, d- I don't get that. So Matt Stafford comes into Detroit or comes into LA with not only Sean McVay but the most stable coaching situation he's ever seen in his entire NFL career. You can th- you can throw out the the wide receiver core or the surprise head in or, or the all pro defense just to have a coach who not only you can trust but the entire team and the organization has trusted for the past what four years now ever since he took them to the super bowl and beyond that before that so jim caldwell <laughs> first year as head coach they went 11 and 5 and made the playoffs then he went seven and nine and then the next two seasons he went nine and seven one of those nine and sevens was good enough to make the playoffs again he made the playoffs twice, twice. and then they canned him unbelievable the only coach that has done anything more was whoever coached them in 2011 when they went 10 Jim and Schwartz. 6, Jim Schwartz. But 11 and 5, 7 and 9, 9 and 7, 9 and 7 canned. You just got to really know who you are. Right. And that was you're, not, you're not the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're not the New England Patriots. That's as good as it's going to get for your team. And you fire Caldwell, and the next year the team goes 6 and 10. You have to wonder if maybe they kept Caldwell. You can flip that around to 10 and 6. Yeah. And then who knows where you're going from there, but... I think, Jacob, the most important point is you would have given stability to Matt Stafford. If That's what I'm saying. Kept him you're, there. you're bringing him, you're putting him into a stable, stable situation now, which I think is going to be his biggest For the asset. first time in his career, right. he had a winning season in three of the past four years, and then you fired the coach that led him <laughs> there. I mean, the guy's just got to be beside himself, and now he's no longer in Detroit. So it all worked out for Stafford. In the and you got to feel, you got to feel bad for Jared Goff, too, looking at it from the reverse, because. This is a guy who did take his team to the quarterback, but you're putting him in Detroit. You're basically saying you're not going to make it. Any any guy that ends up in Detroit, we've learned now, Jim Caldwell is unfortunately in that category, not not at all to his credit or his ability as a coach. It was just unfortunate placement for him. But if you get sent to Detroit, it's basically saying this is wasteland here. Good luck getting out of here because it's it's not going to be easy. Well, right, and no one's given Caldwell a head coaching gig since then. Even though I don't think he definitely, I don't think he's done much to warrant him not having it. Yeah, I mean, he was head coach for the Colts for a couple of seasons. Then he was the took him to the with, Super Bowl in his first year. Then he had to run with the Lions, and I don't know, just for whatever reason, hasn't been able to find himself 
another job. But finally, to wrap this episode up, Aaron Rodgers news. Packers opened up their mandatory team mini camps this week. Aaron Rodgers has always shown up to mandatory minicamp in his entire career, except for this season. We all know about how tumultuous the offseason <laughs> has been between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. He is completely fed up with that team, wants out of Green Bay, has said so on several different occasions, whether that be himself saying it or through a mouthpiece. But clearly things are serious in Green Bay if he's not showing up to this minicamp. If you're the Packers and you just hold out, which I think is kind of what they're kind of going to try to do, is there, and this is the final thought here we'll have, is there any inkling of doubt in the back of your head if you're in that Packers GM chair that he might just not show up for the season? Or do you think if you work it long enough, he'll just eventually show up to play? He says he's not. You know what I mean? Can you Don't take you find that, that so fast, hard to believe, though? Yeah. Like, I mean, can you take that You only got a value? couple more years left, Aaron, where you can win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And put yourself in that next category of yeah. not just one one and done Super Bowl winners. Right. It's interesting too. I just saw this scroll across Twitter. Chuck Pagano was on Pat McAfee's show and was asked about how, you know, he feels like the Packers coaching staff are probably feeling about the Aaron Rodgers situation. And Pagano's exact words were if I'm them, I'm going to die before I let that guy walk out of the building. And I mean I'm sure that's your idea if you're the Packers, but if he doesn't want to come back, what are you gonna do? And it would just be so hard to just Go into the season standing pat, and then all of a sudden, okay, well, Jordan Love, it's, yeah, your, it's turn your team, your here team now, because he's not showing up. Yeah, I think he would show up. I don't know if he'd sit out an entire season. I don't know. I don't he doesn't he want to be there. Look at Julio. We were saying, I think doesn't on, it make on, you a little frustrated? They're like, there is a ton worse. Like I understand yeah. that the Packers aren't the best when it comes to helping him, but they're not the worst. There's a ton worse situations. Last you can Friday, we in. sat here and we said, will Aaron Rodgers or Julio Jones be on their team, orig their original team come week one? I believe two of them. I think Keller and I said, no, or yes, they would be one of them. And, and now Julio Jones Julio's is gone. already yep. gone. I, I, I don't think it's possible that Aaron Rodgers is still there because if Julio Jones wants out, Aaron Rodgers has a lot more leverage to get out if he wants to. That certainly is the case, uh, and I don't think that the Packers have it in their best interest, though, to move on from their best quarterback in no. franchise history. No, but they're not doing anything to keep him They're there. not doing anything to make him happy or keep him there, or seemingly to extend an olive branch to him at all. It <laughs> seems like they're just two sides, too stubborn to even make any sort of movement forward in the uh, eyes of unity between the two parties. But that's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, OTA is wrapping up this week. Mini camp is right around the corner, boys. It starts next week down at Heinz Field. So a lot of exciting Steelers stuff on the horizon, and we'll always love talking to you about it right here on Steelers Standard. For Jacob Richt and Kellen Gursky, I am Tom Opperman. Thank you, as always, and we'll talk to you next time.